ESPN Radio. That's just not right. That's just not right. <laughs> CNC Music Factory, really? That's where we're going? Of course that's what they were going to do. You knew Jerry and the guys behind the glass were going to tee that up. The control room couldn't help itself. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, that's, that's how I want to be identified. They're bad guys. <laughs> They're bad guys. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We are, of course, also on the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. I never thought that I would utter the sentence... It is getting tough to watch LeBron James, but it is getting tough to watch LeBron James and the Lakers at this point. Not in how LeBron is himself playing, but in what he is dealing with around him and the seeming helplessness that he has in this situation in L.A. that he has nobody to blame but himself. Chris, you watch them. They are Unfortunately. nowhere. They are. They are nowhere near. You as a Laker fan, this is going to be killing you. But yep. they are nowhere near what resembles a playoff team. They uh, are somebody. Or they are a team that right now is in a major transition. Made a major move last off season at at the behest of LeBron. It has not worked out. He seemingly does not want to take responsibility for that and trying to blame Rob Palenka for it. And now you're at a crossroads and. It's it's very difficult to watch a guy who may still offensively be delivering, but at the same time, I'm wondering day-to-day what's actually left in the tank altogether. Not that he's done, but what he can do on a day-to-day basis by himself, considering what he's got around him right now, which is not very much. Well, here's what I'll say. If you had any doubt whether or not LeBron was on the back nine of his career, all you got to do is look at when he was in defensive coverage against Luka Doncic one-on-one, because Luka Doncic absolutely abused him. It was a clinic that he put on on the offensive end when he had LeBron James defending him one-on-one, and so that's the part that's probably the most surprising because we've seen a larger sample size of LeBron, and I get it. He's scoring at an unbelievable clip. He's in the conversation for being able to win a scoring title in his age 37 season. That's all well and good. But that does not mean that LeBron James is playing the best basketball that he's played in his entire career because he cannot control the game the way that he once did. If he could, you wouldn't be talking about them coming out of the All-Star break and losing the first three games. And, oh, by the way, the first game that they lost to the L.A. Clippers – That's the team that's one seed in front of them in the Western Conference standings, and they haven't had Kawhi Leonard all year, and Paul George has missed 38 games. So I don't want to hear the excuses about not having Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook not being a fit. Like, you have to lay some of the blame of what the Lakers are at the feet of LeBron James because he, he helped put this team together. And we saw this as a problem coming into the season, Carlin, because it was going to be the oldest roster in the NBA. Now, had this been 2010, you would have had a championship contender. But we're talking about it being the 2021-2022 season, and we realized defensively this team was going to struggle, and we were hoping that what they would be offensively combined with what Anthony Davis presented in the way of being a rim protector and controlling the paint on the defensive end would be enough for this team to be in the conversation to compete for a title. But it just hasn't worked out that way. And now, looking at the prospects of what the Lakers could be for the rest of the regular season and beyond – I'm not too confident that we haven't seen the last days of LeBron James competing at a championship level as the number one dude on a team. Well, here's here's my question about the whole situation. What can he still do on both ends of the floor and not actually affect one side? In other words, 
They need people to score right now. I mean, yeah. uh, where, where are you turning? Malik, Malik Monk? No. No. You, Mello, Let, let's not disparage what Malik Monk has done this no, season. I, I, He's I, been good. I, I He's get been that, good. But on a, on a night in, night out basis, when you need consistent other scores, you still turn to Melo. Oh, you got 20 last night. That's fine. Yeah. Is Melo going to give you that every night? No. No. Absolutely not. My question is simply this Where is he best utilized? Where are his energies best focused right now? I think on the offensive end, because they don't, because Russ can't shoot his way out of anything, never has been able to, and now doesn't even score anywhere near at the clip that he used to, mm-hmm. and because AD's not there. So I need somebody that I can rely on offensively at the very least. Maybe I got to start turning over these tougher defensive assignments to other people and hope that I have better luck. Because LeBron at 37, what's left in the tank in terms of enough energy night in and night out? He's not carrying this team home by being a two way player for 38 minutes. He can't do that right now. No, but that's the thing that we didn't know when he got to LA. We didn't know that he was going to be this version of himself. And I guess we should anticipate it. Because Father Time is undefeated. But there was once upon a time where the head coach, this instance Frank Vogel, wouldn't have to choose whether or not LeBron James is best served by focusing on the offensive end versus the defensive end. You got it all from him. But now this is a situation where you need him to be able to be that guy because of the absence of Anthony Davis. I think we need to refer to him as street clothes, as Charles Barkley does, because he spends more time in street clothes than he does in a Lakers uniform. But, I mean, because of his absence – this is a situation where you really need him to be that version of LeBron James to put the cape on. But, Carlin, unfortunately, I don't think LeBron is capable of that anymore, and I don't think you have enough guys that can pick up the slack defensively. So where does that leave you? In the ninth spot in the Western Conference and sliding down and in danger of potentially missing the play-in altogether. Yeah, but here he is doing his best. Let's listen to LeBron from last night. Doing his best dumb and dumber Lloyd Christmas impression by saying, so you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous, though, man. Like, I hear what LeBron is saying, but we've heard this before. Like, I heard this in the loss to the Trailblazers after the, right before the All-Star game or right before the trade deadline when LeBron James said, I want a glass of wine, I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to hope that when I wake up in the morning, things are going to be better. But guess what? They weren't better because you didn't package the 2027 first-round draft pick and Russell Westbrook and trade him somewhere and bring back a piece that could help this team in would the this, short term. Would but this would team I be better with John Wall right now? Than no, no, no. no. Yeah. But I was getting to that point, though, yeah. CeCe. I, I don't think that Rob Palenka was wrong for making that choice. The, the team had already shown me enough for me to say, you know what? That 2027 first-round pick might be a lottery pick. And so I think it's probably better served holding on to that versus trying to go all in on a team that I know isn't going anywhere. And that's where we are with the L.A. Lakers this season. And I'm afraid that that might be where we're at in perpetuity with LeBron James and Anthony Davis being the duo that's supposed to lead this team. Yeah, and if you want to look at it a little bit further and try to be a little more optimistic about it, you could say that if you're holding on to Westbrook at this point, at least – when he opts in, his contract next year will be valuable to another team to be an expiring contract, and maybe he gets something next year for it. But then we're talking about LeBron at age 39, still with the Lakers. I think I don't think LeBron's going to be with the Lakers in the next 18 months. I think he's going to find a way to force his way out and try to get somewhere else where he doesn't have to be the guy, and he can go win one more. 
does he, does before he, ha- he gets does, the Bronny. Does he have to force his way out, or should the Lakers want him out? I know what Shaquille O'Neal said, that if you trade him, you're never going to compete for a championship again. You're not competing for one right that, now. That, that's hyperbole. Exactly. You're not competing for yeah. a championship right now. So is LeBron James more valuable now, or is he going to be more valuable a year from now? And I would make the argument that if you're going to move on, if you're going to break this thing down, go ahead and move him this offseason. Go I, ahead and get to the business of it because you're not moving your franchise forward by holding LeBron James hostage. The, the other question, though, is when we talk about value, like what is the actual value of LeBron James, not from you know just the basketball standpoint, what his value brings to that organization right now. That's where I think they might have a little bit of an issue where he's, he means, to us, means too much to us financially right now where we could – just justify moving on from him and going somewhere else. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, the Lakers brand is strong enough. I mean, the biggest thing that we oh, have the biggest that. the biggest thing that we have to look forward to as Lakers fans this basketball season is the HBO special winning time and when it's going to recap the Showtime days with Magic Johnson, James Worthy, and others. And that's coming out on Sunday on HBO. Like that's the thing we have to look forward to this season as Lakers fans. I don't know that LeBron James leaving the Lakers is all of a sudden going to tank the value of the franchise. I think you got to get on the business of trying to find who that next star is that you're going to build around, and it doesn't feel like that guy is currently on that team, and that includes Anthony Davis. John C. Riley is Jerry Buss? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if I'm we'll sold see. about that either. Yeah. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Tweet us at Chris Canty 99, at Chris Carlin. And of course, we'll hit the line, or we'll hit the Canty lines in a bit at 888 ESPN, 888-729-3776. Up next, though, who is more at fault for this impasse that exists between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? The answer probably going to surprise you. It is Carlin and Canty on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, presented by Progressive Insurance. Kyler Murray and this Cardinal situation is fascinating to me in a lot of different ways. First up, for the first time, we're actually hearing from both Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, who, by the way, if you listened to the show yesterday, you would have heard Diana Rossini forecast what was about to happen. Yeah, and that soon was today. <laughs> yeah. So Diana was on top of it as usual. And with with that in mind, you see that Kingsbury and Steve Kime both got their contracts extended to 2027. And now this stuff with Kyler comes out. Here's what I, I... I get where the questions are to a degree. But what I keep coming back to, and we had KJ Wright on earlier who helped kind of convince me the other way, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I keep coming back to is when you just see the wins and losses, the quarterback has been a massive part of that. There hasn't been anybody that's been more important to it, and every year they have gotten better and better. You can say what you want about the end of the year, but they have gotten better and better with Kyler Murray. I don't get why you're starting to hear these rumblings about not being a good leader and being a selfish guy when things are going seemingly pretty well for you. Yeah, we didn't hear that the first two months of the regular season. Everybody was talking about how great Kyler Murray was and this guy potentially being an MVP candidate. And now all of a sudden, because he's asking for money, 
it becomes a question of what do what does his leadership intangibles look like? How does he relate to his teammates? We really haven't heard a lot of that stuff bubble up to the surface before. Now, I get it. When you don't have teammates coming out to publicly support you, it makes people in the media and people in the fan base question whether or not some of the grumblings are true. But, Carlin, I'll say this. These reports don't get out there unless the team wants them out exactly. there. And maybe it's their opportunity to be able to – I guess win their battle in the court of public opinion because you, Kyler Murray has made this something that's out there for public consumption through the statement released by his agent. Well, this is my problem here, okay? This is where I got the major issue with him. I don't think that helps him at all. That doesn't help that narrative. That doesn't help any of it. And if you're the agent, when this is really the first time that you can legitimately start talking about a long-term extension with a guy coming up. You can't sign him to a long-term deal anytime before uh, the end of his third year. When when that's the case, we're already going to the nuclear option of putting out a massive statement about how the team doesn't want to pay him and needs to make a, a, a commitment to him. Well, here's the thing. I'll say this about the statement. The only way you get to that point where you're that desperate as a player or as an agent where you take this course of action is if the overtures that you've made to the organization were completely shut down. And that's the part where I put some of the onus on the Arizona Cardinals because if they actually have the kind of discourse that Eric Burkhart and Kyler Murray were looking for, if there was actually a discussion and exchanging proposals and going back and forth on what the framework of a deal would have to look like, given Kyler Murray still having multiple years left on his contract, then we're not at this place now where they put this out there in the media. No, you we're can not, talk we're not, without we're, talking. We're not at this place where they put this statement out there. That doesn't happen. And my point is, if you're Steve Kime or if you're Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, this is the single most important employee that you have. Why would you create an adversarial relationship by not even entertaining a contract negotiation with this guy the first year that he's eligible for it, given the kind of turnaround that your franchise has had since you drafted him in 2019, that's the part I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know why their memories are so short, CC. Because if you think about what they had at quarterback in 2018 and what they had at quarterback in 2017, where it was a revolving door, when they're starting three or four guys each season, this guy has stabilized the most important position in all of team sports for your franchise. Why would you want to alienate him by shutting down contract negotiations this early in the process? Well, it makes no sense. The other question I asked, if this is the case with Kyler and we don't know if he's the guy or not, why are you giving Steve Kime a contract extension? Steve Kime is the guy that went and drafted Josh Rosen right before then, and then you do a complete 180 the next year, you bring in Kingsbury because you're going to bring in Kyler Murray. So if Murray's not the guy, and you don't want to pay him long-term, and potentially help yourself in the cap right now, why is the contract extension going to the GM? Or, that, the, or the head coach. Or the head coach for that matter. I mean, they're tied at the hip now. Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury extended through 2027. That obviously, makes no sense Obviously, you like something that they're doing, and the reason why you hired Cliff Kingsbury, CC, the reason you hired him is because you knew he ran an offense that Kyler Murray thrives in. This guy's been playing the same offense since he was in middle school. I don't understand why you'll entertain contract extensions for the brass of your organization and not for the quarterback. I don't get it. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's the Canty call-in line. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. Who is more at fault for the impasse between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals right now? Should the Cardinals have reservations 
about signing Kyler to a long-term deal. Get on the Canty line right now at 888-SAY-ESPN. ESPN Radio. It is bizarre that the Kyler Murray stuff has popped up over the last week, but it has nonetheless. He is looking for that money, and the Cardinals, maybe not as much in a hurry to give it to him. It's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Right now, we go to the phone, and we welcome in Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Follow him on Twitter, at Real Tannenbaum. Mike, let's just start here. Should the Cardinals have any reservations about signing Kyler to a long-term deal? I would sign them. Um, I would be disappointed that his agent went public with it. I'd be disappointed in the timing of it because he's been eligible for about 10 minutes now. When you look at guys like Lamar Jackson, who are going to the last year of their deal, who's a league MVP, is handled it differently. But when it's all said and done, he's a great player and hard to replace. And, Mike, I want to talk a little bit about that, this course of action that Eric Burkhart, Kyler Murray's agent, has taken. Do you get to this point where you release a statement if you're an agent unless the overtures that you've made for a contract extension to the organization have been shut down? Because that's the thing that I want to know, and maybe we'll never get a straight answer on it. But based on your experience as a general manager and years in the front office, it feels like it, this is an act of desperation from Kyler's camp. Yeah, Chris, and that's what's so interesting about it is, again, like, to me, this is more of a August tactic than it is a, you know, late February, early March tactic. So the timing of it's really odd. The other thing that's strange, guys, is this. Kyler Murray and their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, share the same agent. So a little disappointed that Cliff Kingsbury didn't show more leadership um, he just got an extension, but there's a way to handle things. We could disagree. We could have discourse, but not through the media. Well, here's the thing, Mike, and just to follow up on that, and I get that you're saying it's more of an August tactic, but where we are in the NFL calendar, if an extension indeed is not going to get done between Kyler and the Cardinals, wouldn't it make more sense from the player side to have more potential landing spots, more destinations on this side of free agency in the draft than, uh, than you know, say, for instance, going into training camp? Well, my response to that, Chris, would be, we're not doing anything. And by the way, if you breathe on social media one more time, you're going to play out this year. Next year, we're going to exercise the option, and we're going to tag you the next year after that. So for three years, we're not going to do anything. So you may not want to be here, but that's okay because you're not going anywhere. So there's a time and a place for leverage, and I don't think this is the time or the place. But, Mike, we've seen players in the past that not get contract extensions and decide to execute hold-ins. We realize that holdouts are are something that you can't do under the current collective bargaining agreement. But just going back to last training camp with Jamal Adams, he showed up to Seahawks training camp and didn't practice because he didn't go, get a long-term deal. Jalen Ramsey, the same thing. His first full training camp with the L.A. Rams didn't practice until he got a long-term deal. If Kyler Murray takes that tack, then what does the organization do? Go win a bunch of football games with Colt McCoy like they did last year. They won a couple of division row games. And, look, if Kyle Murray is going to resort to that, so be it. You know, we're not going to stoop to that level. But you are under contract, you know, for four years and a fifth-year option as a first-round pick. We would like to get you signed to an extension, but it's going to be done at the appropriate time. And, again, there's plenty of players that play it out and become free agents. So, um, again, just very disappointed how his agent handled things. Like I said, plenty of disagreements happen plenty of discourse happens most of the time it's behind closed doors 
Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining Chris Carlin and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. One more on this. Let's just look at, take it a step further here and look at this from Murray's standpoint. You look around the league, big-time quarterbacks are on the move more so than ever before. Is there maybe just more to this of Kyler trying to blow up the situation to get out of Arizona. When you're a GM, you're sitting across the table, and you see this, as you said, 10 minutes in. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that, again, it's somebody that's just not healing the business the correct way. Um, I, and I think the difference is, be it Ed Rogers or Tom Brady, you know, there's like a sense of they, they've earned it, you know, and they've been in one place for a couple of decades or, you know, for a long time. Cal Murray's been in the league three, time, three years. He's a good young player. Far from perfect. And, um, again, if I'm Arizona, I want to keep him. He's a great young talent, hard to replace. Um, but with all these other quarterbacks on the move, I, I think it's what apples and oranges. If he does, though, Mike, if, if, if he actually wants to get traded, if the Cardinals would ever actually field offers for him, is he the second-best quarterback that's now available this offseason? And that's oh, counting no Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, without question. Uh, he, he's a great young player. And, again, just context here, guys. He'd be the first player in this year's draft. He'd be the first player in next year's draft. Um, he's that good. Talking with ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN Radio. And, Mike, speaking of the aforementioned guy that's earned it, the right to, I guess, be a jerk when it comes to the front office <laughs> with, a, with an NFL team, Aaron Rodgers, what do you anticipate happening with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to remain a Packer? Or do you see Aaron Rodgers deciding to head for greener pastures? You know, at this point, Chris, I really hope he stays. You know, it's been disappointing because I don't know what he doesn't know on March 3rd or 4th that he didn't know in October, November, December, before the retreat, after the retreat. And, Chris, you're a former player. You know, there's a time in your career where you don't have guaranteed money. And if you're going to be released, you'd like to be released sooner than later so you can go – maximize your opportunity, which is right now. You know, right now we're at the Combine. This, this is when deals are getting done. This is where there's the most amount of room. And <clears throat> if Aaron Rodgers is going to move on, he should say so, so that Packers could rebuild, let players like Preston Smith, Billy Turner, Randall Cobb go, and let them get the best deals possible. So I understand, you know, Rodgers has to take care of himself, but he could be hurting his teammates. Okay, you're at the point now, if you're the Packers, how long can you legitimately wait? Because he says that he was going to let them know soon, but there's no definition on what soon means. If we get past March 16th, Mike, what do you do if you're Brian Gutekunst? Yeah, you know, I'm not a big deadline guy, but this is one of those times where you have to be like, look, if you don't want to come back, just tell us. Because at some point, we have to go try to sign, you know, Jameis Winston, or some other veteran quarterback to compete with Jordan Love. we got to make plans accordingly of, are we tagging Devontae Adams? Are we signing him to a long-term deal? And as important as you are, and you're critically, critically important, we need to know and make decisions uh, you know, accordingly, depending on which way you decide to go. Mike, i got to ask you this question. Russell Wilson is the other quarterback that people are expecting or anticipating is going to be on the move this offseason. Do you think the Seattle Seahawks – should trade Russell Wilson this offseason? Yes, they're the fourth-best team in the NFC West. If I was them, I would have Pete Carroll, John Schneider rebuild this team, and it would start with as many good picks as I could get for Russell Wilson. 
How many picks do you think that is? You know, I think it's at least two ones when you look at what, you know, Matt Stafford went for. Russell Wilson's a more accomplished player than Matt Stafford, and I would give up at least two ones to get Russell Wilson. And the teams I would look at would be the Washington Commanders, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the New Orleans Saints. Three really good teams that need a quarterback. Mike, great stuff. Appreciate it as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider joining us. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Join the conversation on the Canty call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Is Kyler Murray worthy of that long-term deal? Should the Cardinals wait before they pay Kyler Murray? We're getting to your calls in next. Plus, which is a better landing spot for one of those top available quarterbacks? You got a better chance to win in Indianapolis or Denver? We'll tell you next on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Can't you call in line? Get on board right now. Are the Packers better off with Aaron Rodgers? Are the... Yeah, I said that. Are uh, Is Kyler Murray worth it to the Arizona Cardinals? Is Kyler Murray worth it for the Cardinals to sign him long-term? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Chris in Atlanta is up first in this segment on ESPN Radio. What's up, Chris? How are you? Man, how y'all doing today, man? Doing pretty good. What you got? So, so, so look, man, right, I think Kyler Murray, he blew it. I think number one. I think number one. Um, he showed that he that, 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 that he's not a winner. Uh, 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 when you let one guy control you, this, I know DeAndre Hopkins is, is, a, is a hell of a receiver, man. But uh, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, uh, 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 I believe he had a couple good tight ends, but uh, ultimately, man, he blew it. He can't stay healthy. Um, I watched him myself. I'm a 49er fan. I watched him uh, overthrow a lot of throws, man. He's so small. And I, and I believe Bart Scott said it. He's like 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, you can't do nothing with that, man. You can't win with that, you know? Every- so here's the thing, Chris. He's missed two games in his career. out of a possible 48. That, that, he's missed two games, and yet we're saying he can't stay healthy. That's the part of the game that I don't understand. When you try to make all of these arguments to disparage Kyler Murray or to knock him down in terms of the caliber of quarterback he is, All you have to do is go back to what the Arizona Cardinals were in 2018 and look at what they are now. And Kyler Murray has been the single biggest agent of change in that organization. Not Steve Kime, who was there when they drafted Josh Rosen and had Steve Wilkes as a one-year head coach. Not Cliff Kingsbury, who is the prime example of failing up after failing at Texas Tech and then being the offensive coordinator at USC for a hot minute before taking this job. It has been Kyler Murray. And if you think it's not Kyler Murray, you better hope that you don't have to find out whether or not it is. Because life after Kyler Murray in Arizona could be a little bit rough. So you got to understand what you have and recognize the true value that the player brings to the organization. And if the organization doesn't think he's the guy, honestly, what are you thinking? Are you, do you want to go back to the days of when you could bring in Kurt Warner for a year and hope and pray and you get somewhere by pure luck? Because that's what happened. Otherwise, we're talking about Jake Plummer and Neil Lomax for all the all-time great quarterbacks in Cardinals history. So exactly what are you looking at? 
if you look at him and don't think that he is a great player. I think, frankly, I think both sides have handled this poorly. Yeah. I, I, the, the statement was a bad idea. And then if the if the organization is that annoyed by it, Chris, that they're going to turn around and leak out, oh, you know, he's not a great leader and all that stuff. If that was just in retaliation to it. Like, it's bad on both sides. You know, a pox on both your houses at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it ends up being. It's it's really embarrassing the fact that it's even gotten to this point because when you do have a player that brings to the table the abilities, the dynamic um, the dynamic plays that Kyler Murray shows you week in and week out, I don't understand why you wouldn't continue to go down that line. This organization has committed all their resources to building out an offense that takes advantage of his strong suit. So the fact that you're you're going to be non-committal at this juncture just doesn't make any sense. You've just got back into the postseason. Why not keep that pushing? And as Agent Eric Burkhart pointed out, if you do give him a, a contract extension, it does give you a little bit of cap relief in the short term. And so I think that that's something that you have to consider. And Chris, at the very least, have the conversation so it doesn't devolve to a point where it's an adversarial relationship. John in Vegas next on ESPN Radio. John, what do you got? Um, man, I think Kyler is doing it right as far as the new contract extension. I mean, they can't really negotiate coming out, so it's all slotted. Um, he's by far probably the best young quarterback in the league. What do you go, like 7-1 throughout the first half of the league? That guy saying he's always injured, like you said, he only missed two games. He's actually really tough. He played through that injury. And that's where you've seen that decline in, in, in the second half with that with him being injured in Hopkins, I mean, if you don't think he's Look, you want to you want to knock him, knock him for being bad in the playoff game. All right, he was bad. Tell me the young quarterback that's not bad in the playoff. Exactly. That that's the whole thing that you have to look at. I, I just look at the sample size, Carlin. I mean, the guy has got ninety total touchdowns to forty turnovers. He's pretty damn good at what he does. He brings that dual threat. He's a run-pass guy. They implement a lot of elements of the run game through him with the zone-read concepts. I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury's offense works without a guy like Kyler Murray. You know, and if Cliff Kingsbury is good enough to give an, a, a contract extension to through 2027, then why isn't Kyler Murray good enough to give a contract extension to? I'm, a, I'm, more, I'm more annoyed about the Kime thing. I'm, I'm much more annoyed about the Kime thing because not only that, not only did he get the contract extension, you drafted him. You have nurtured him the last few years. You have invested in him as you have with getting guys around him. And now the while his agent was silly for what he did, if you, A, gave the agent reason to go off that quick by shutting down any discussion of it, and B, if you are not willing to pay the guy yet who you drafted a year after screwing up the quarterback position to begin with, and you're getting a contract extension? What are we talking about here? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And that's the whole point. Like, I don't get it. If it was good enough to work out for you, then why can't you go ahead and take care of the most important player you have on your team? Bert in Ohio next. Bert, is Kyler the guy or not? I think Kyler's a good quarterback when things are going his way, but body language on the sideline, is he pouts when things aren't going his way. You because he's the first quarterback that we've ever seen do that, Bert. Because we've never seen Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or any of the other elite quarterbacks, you know, get upset or yell at their guys on the sideline. Never saw Baker Mayfield lose his cool. Ne- never saw it before. I-, I don't. I don't understand it. We- we've seen Lamar Jackson slam his helmet down. We've seen that before from quarterbacks. 
I don't understand why we want to highlight Kyler just because he wants to get his money. And, Carlin, it takes us back to something that we heard K.J. Wright say on the show earlier when he came on with us. There's there's something at play here when it comes to the quarterbacks that we want to choose to, I don't know, demonize when it comes to getting contract extensions to and then quarterbacks where we make excuses for their behavior, but we still in the same breath acknowledge their greatness. That part of it doesn't make sense to me. I, I have a trouble reconciling that, why we do that with some quarterbacks, but not with others. James in Texas, you've got 20 seconds on ESPN Radio. Does he deserve the money or not? Yes, he does. He deserves to get paid. Uh, he deserves uh, to be there. You know, he's a damn good quarterback. Look, to me... It's it's a shame that it has already come to this. But the more I think about it, and listen, I, I was on the other side of this uh, uh, quite a bit before K.J. Wright and before a lot of the Steve Kime stuff. But honestly, I'm I'm shifting the blame a lot more toward Kime by the minute. Yeah, by the I, minute. I think that's where it belongs. And hearing from a player that actually had the game plan for him say that he deserves a contract extension after year three, I think that says it all. Up next, are the Packers actually better off without Aaron Rodgers? How could that be possible? We tell you next.